If this life is driving you to drink, you sitting around wondering just what to think. Well, I got some consolation. I'll give it to you if I might. You know I don't worry about a thing, 'cause I know nothing's gonna be alright. Hello, I'm Ellie Mayo Hagen. I am Owen Jones. And this is Agitpod, our punctual podcast that's coming on time lately. It is relatively. This has been, because we did it for a while, we kept saying fortnightly, and then it was like two months. Yeah. And then we did like twice in a week, so I don't know how to describe it. It's irregular. Irregular. Anyway. On that bombshell. Yeah. Right, so this is, um, I mean, it's funny because it is supposed to be a relatively light-hearted uh, podcast, but the problem is, often what happens is politics is just this massive inferno of pardon the language of, of, of shit and, and it occasionally gets worse it really just sprays it everywhere uh, <laughs> hope you're not eating everyone um, and, and then being light-hearted about it becomes more 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 challenging but we are gonna get through this so what are we chatting about Ellie, before we introduce our guests we're going to be talking about uh, labor and um anti-semitism anti-semitism which is really it's uh, well actually pretty nasty head uh, and to do that we have we've got three guests but only two are here one is going to barge in in the middle, and that is Annie from Judas. We'll come on to that, you may have heard of it. But uh, our first guest is <laughs> David Schneider, who is the legendary uh, comic writer and actor. Uh, I used to watch him as a kid, that'll make him feel old. Thank in, you. Well, just saying. Um, we love to start with an insult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It's a double-edged one. <clears throat> yeah. uh, in Partridge, you know, I was obsessed with Partridge. My friend said it basically, I was just on Well, Partridge. you literally quoted it there, so on that bombshell, you literally yeah, quoted yeah, Partridge. Yeah. Aha! Yeah, your subconscious yeah. was already uh, Yeah, no, it's just it. all the time. Uh, <laughs> look at what is it? Uh, me, uh, looking at, uh, what is it? Me, Alan Partridge, uh, looking at, knowing you, Tony Hez, a Jew. I mean, that's that's <laughs> the quote from, because uh, in there, knowing me, knowing Yule, he says, uh, Jews are good. So, because uh, Partridge gets into all sorts of trouble. So, yeah. I, I think he really foreshadowed yeah, yeah. the current debate, didn't it? Really? Yeah. I think Partridge, yeah, Partridge is in, in many ways the, uh, the um, far left of the Labour Party. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and yeah, but he did, he did, I think, oh, yeah, I can't remember, I'm sure the nerds will. You're maybe, not I'm saying you're a nerd, but maybe. Well, I am. Let's uh, call a spade a spade here. Yeah. Also, the death of Stalin recently, which is, um, I think, a work, I'd say a masterpiece, actually, which is not a word I just oh, bandy around. Yeah, so uh, watch it all, uh, you'll get shot by the secret police. Do you want to introduce the next one if we have to? Yeah, just to just to you know plug plug ourselves. We love him, by the way. Plug ourselves a bit before I introduce the uh, the inferior guest on today. Um, <laughs> he's, he's now walking <laughs> out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, if you if you want to listen more about the death of Stalin, we have an episode of this podcast with Armando Inucci, who wrote it with David as well. So you should just that. Anyway, our next guest is our uh, I suppose our friend. Well, he's one of, one of my closest dearest friends. He was your friend. Yeah. 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 Now um, it's gone. The atmosphere has turned rather sour. <laughs> Parties again. Sorry. <laughs> carry on. <laughs> um, it is uh, the journalist, uh, commentator, and what else should we call you? Activist. Activist. News editor of Hook Magazine. Yeah. Also written a book written a book coming out in uh, August 2018 I did the intro so that's taken off it has done the intro it's some of the quality some of the quality <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are you uh, just copying what I've been saying for the moment yeah uh, he's an all out superstar often on telly just you know whinging in that done a good job this week though I don't yeah. know why I'm being asked yeah. to do my own introduction this week <laughs> <laughs> looking at me yeah. for hints uh, Michael's been an absolute superstar this week because um, and, and we'll go into this we haven't actually said his name it's Michael yeah. Segalos oh it's Michael Segalos <laughs> so we haven't introduced him Hi. do you follow him on Twitter maybe he's just known as Michael like you know like Silly <laughs> Was yeah, that that yeah. Madonna, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
the greats. Um, but he's done a great job uh, in the last few days, which has been, which we'll talk about, a difficult time for Jewish leftists uh, going on TV, making a nuanced and difficult case. Right, so come on, should we kick off? What's been going on? Yeah, then? so basically, the Labour Party has been embroiled in an anti-Semitism scandal. How did it all? Nine how did this all kick off, Michael? Come you've written a brilliant Where to column begin? about the. Well, Abraham accepted the <laughs> gods that he would be the father of the Jewish nation. <laughs> Uh, how long have you got? <laughs> Long story, that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, well, where do we start? I, I can't really think of what day it is anymore or where this all began, but it must be about two weeks ago now mm. that it broke that Jeremy Corbyn had five years ago commented uh, on a post on Facebook. His post was underneath a mural, uh, which an artist had uploaded an image of, which had been taken down or was going to be taken down by the local council in London. Um, Corbyn commented underneath this mural that um, the artist was in good company because... Um, well, because another artist's mural had been taken down, which depicted Lenin a long time ago. Um, and on first glance, it's quite unassuming. Well, supposedly. And um, when you look at the mural for more than a second, as far as I'm concerned, you can see there are quite serious anti-Semitic tropes in there. There's hook-nosed men counting money on a table, which is being held up by the bodies of pushed down and oppressed people. Um, there's a sign of the kind of Freemasonry signs and Illuminati shit going on. Um, and really, it should have rung alarm bells to anyone who saw it. Certainly someone who, who's a politician who should know better. Uh, but Jeremy posted underneath regardless. And, and this, or last week now, that story came out. In the first instance, Jeremy Corbyn's office uh, sort of distanced themselves a bit from the post, but not really well enough. And then a couple of hours later, an apology came out. Not really an apology, but at least a retraction of the comment and saying that Jeremy hadn't seen what he'd done. And this was done by accident. Now, I think in normal circumstances, if a politician had done that, especially a politician with someone like Jeremy Corbyn's record on, on fighting racism, it, it might have been sort of looked over. But over the last two and a half years, or nearly three years now, I suppose, since Jeremy Corbyn's well, two and a half years since Jeremy Corbyn became leader of the Labour Party, there has been a consistent undertone, I suppose, in accusations of, of anti-Semitism. And this was the first time, really, that Jeremy Corbyn could be linked by those looking to point this out um, to an explicitly problematic comment, a comment that he'd made, something he'd actively done, rather than associations that he'd made or, or people he'd been with or, or kind of things from the past like that. So we've got everyone talking once again about anti-Semitism. And that's really how we got to this last two weeks where that's come <clears> to the fore. And it's worth just pointing out there that, because I first met my Michael um, in 2012 and I, I, I went along actually with Laurie Penny who's actually herself a left-wing Jewish journalist uh, and it was at uh, Sussex University they were in occupation and Michael thought then basically the Labour Party was a right-wing capitalist neoliberal um, carcass. I did think that. <laughs> um, and, and he Still joined what he joined the Labour Party because of, of, of Jamie Corbyn's ascendancy so um, it, it, just to put that in context before anyone thinks this is a right-wing conspiracy. The only right-wing conspiracy is currently is my cat sitting in front of the microphone. <laughs> but, but I, so, I, I, I do think you're right, and that's something that I felt really conscious of this week, is in every time we've talked about this, and soon we'll talk about the nuances, I'm sure, mm -hmm. but I feel like I've had to put a precursor to every article, every TV appearance, every tweet I've made, which is that, A, I support Jeremy Corbyn, I'm a socialist, I joined the Labour Party, or well, rejoined because of him, and I've been actively involved uh, alongside lots of other people in campaigning for him. And also, I'm Jewish, and understand anti-Semitism, have experienced it myself and those two things this week seems like lots of people who are on the left and who are also Jewish have had to continuously say and I don't necessarily think it's cutting through I think that some people aren't listening to us say that we are Jewish we are understanding of anti-semitism we know these things there are some voices looking to drown that out and other people I think on the left who are trying to claim that we can't be 
progressive. We can't be left-wing, we can't be supporters of Jeremy Corbyn because we are trying to call out problems and hold people to account and appreciate that in our midst there are ways that we can learn and do better. But I think that's what the irony of where we're at now is that um, people trying to defend Corbyn uh, are opposed to Corbyn's positions. They're calling out Jeremy Corbyn, who clearly wants to bring down Jeremy Corbyn. It's it's, it's like it's it's got so twisted um, that. Um, but the, but the the good thing about that is that Corbyn, I feel, is now clearly on side and mm. clearly aware and wanting to do something about it. I was just asking you about this before because I'm dominant now and Ellie needs to take over. But it seems to me that there is a problem. There's a minority of people who just engage in. Exp- just anti-Semitic tropes of varying degrees. And um, we should be clear, anti-Semitism is 2,000 years old. It's not something that just appeared in Nazi Germany for 12 years and vanished. It's it's embedded in our culture, the the pogroms, the expulsions, the blood libel, uh, the, 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 the murders, and then, of course, the Shoah, the attempted industrialised extermination, but also decades since continued entrenched anti-Semitism in the West, but elsewhere as well. And there is a minority on the left who are just anti-Semitic, who replicate this idea of disproportionate, sinister Jewish power, of Jewish financiers, the Rothschilds and all the rest, this conspiracist kind of approach. There is a wider group of people, it strikes me, who are just in denial that these people exist, who will just say there's no such thing. I mean, what do, what do you think of that? Yes, I think there's a lot of people who are in denial, who refuse because it, the project can't be threatened. But I think there's also a lot of people who don't understand that they're being anti-Semitic in an instant or saying something anti-Semitic who, who and I'm getting that on Twitter and again that's reassuring along with the Nazis and the, yeah. the anti-Semites I'm seeing more people <laughs> saying yeah which you know I mean Twitter wouldn't be Twitter without you know I've not had many Nazis today um, <laughs> oh there they are there they are that's all right um, um, but, um, but I'm seeing more and more people going uh, yeah thank you for explaining and I didn't understand it and gradually you think oh this is promising that uh, people who before just went well but yeah but Israel um, now seeing the nuances a bit more which I think is important yeah com- I mean completely I guess what I also would, would add on to that is it's it's really easy to notice I mean to make this point again the explicit anti-semitism that we grew up learning about in GCSE history like you know swastikas and Hitler um, and I think that's something that we all learn but this kind of ignorance this misunderstanding you have to remember Jews are a tiny proportion of the British population and there's not really any sort of serious political education you get in schools and you know decimated youth services mean there's not much happening outside of it and lots of people not just don't kind of know what anti-semitism is or don't understand it they they also don't really know how to deal with it or how to approach it like people this week have been really conscious I, I sit next to loads of people in my office and have lots of friends who aren't particularly involved in politics and um, who I've shown this mural to this mural we discussed earlier and a lot of them just looked at it and didn't understand the problem and and there was this kind of really strange combination I suppose of that this not understanding and then two and a half years of constantly having to deal with a really hostile media environment where journalist after journalist story after story TV appearance after you know broadcast appearance was really hostile to Jeremy Corbyn and to kind of the left project and so we're in this kind of knee-jerk automatic reaction state where we're constantly saying well Jeremy's being attacked Jeremy's being attacked and that in the last few weeks has made for a really toxic concoction because people couldn't see the issue straight away there was a process of education we had to go through and at the same time that people's initial reaction is to to jump in and defend someone whatever the cost because they've had to for such a long time and i think that that is partially i think where we've 
had this really difficult few weeks of having to un- kind of confront some uncomfortable realities. Yeah, there was a, a letter that went viral of a woman from a certain CLP. The CLP is a constituency Labour Party, and she wrote an open letter to Jeremy Corbyn in which she basically said, uh, um, there's no anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, it's just that uh, Jews are a powerful special interest group. <laughs> 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 right, okay. um, so why don't you uh, explain then uh, why the mural was anti-Semitic, just in case any of our listeners are like... Suppose in the first instance there's some really obvious, well, to me, again, should be obvious, maybe aren't tropes in there, which ring alarm bells. So in the 1930s, um, the Nazis used these images of Jews counting money, big hook nose, bushy beards, really large, really menacing looking, to try and whip up tension. A lot of that came from uh, this kind of book called The Protocol of Zion, which emerged in the 1900s from Russia, which is kind of basically a faked uh, documentation of meetings that obviously never happened, of this cabal of Jews who are secretly meeting to run the world and, and make plans and plots. And which plans. is why I have to rush off, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, so if we could just hurry up, because there's the, uh, the conspiracies meeting in half an hour. So. I wasn't invited, I've been kicked out. Um, so that's the first one, is, is those kind of obvious tropes. Um, the Even to the extent where you had those bodies underneath a table, which were used, and someone actually really, um, on Reddit, went and linked out to loads of examples of this and you can see where people have been on underneath those tables where there's bodies with juice at them which were explicitly used in the 1930s too. The Freemasonry stuff and the eyes and the Illuminati things are it's kind of interesting to me and I wrote about this actually in The Guardian is because most people like my age I'm 24 whose relationship with the Illuminati is all kind of Kanye West and like silly triangles and memes and fun stuff which which is totally okay to laugh at and isn't anti-semitic I should add. But, but there's some tropes about you know, George Soros, for instance, these certain individuals, rich Jews, where, where that Freemasonry link has been made. So the fact that those triangles and those uh, symbols in of themselves aren't anti-Semitic, and it's totally fine to find all the triangles and Kanye posing with Taylor Swift and saying they run the world, but when that's imposed on a picture of, of you know, ugly, counting money Jews, it's kind of more worrying. And I think what was interesting was that, you know, there's a lot of people defending the mural and saying... Ah, but only two of them were Jews. Uh, but then why do all six of them look like Jews? You know, so there was that for me. When I first saw the mural, I thought I, I, it connects to me to, like you're saying, Michael, to all the sort of Nazi iconography and the Nazi imagery. So I, I thought, wow, this is this is dodgy. Um, but but then you sort of, so I'm, I'm quite Holocaust obsessed, so I, I'm used to catching myself and going, is it really? And then I read up a bit about the quotes from the artist and, I, you know, were saying, oh, a lot of Jews around here weren't very happy, the white Jews around here. And I thought, oh, well, it clearly is. About rich Jews being called out, he said, in their community. I mean, it seems to me, I mean, Jeremy Corbyn actually, to be fair, wrote about this to, uh, to Jewish leaders last week. I thought it was a good letter, a really good letter, uh, which talked about um, the so-called socialism fools. And this was called out by German leftists, the German Social Democrats in the 19th century. And that was this idea of Jewish financiers exploiting the, the global working class. And the Jewish, and, and, the, and sorry, and the, the, uh, the, the, the German left were very keen to, 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 to confront that as this reactionary trope. But the other thing is, it strikes me, that is that is the difference between being a conspiracist and a leftist. Leftists look at capitalism as this series of power relations, as a system, the financial system, for example, and how it operates. And, and, and a conspiracist looks at shadowy individuals pulling the strings behind the scenes. And that lends itself to anti-Semitism because, that, you know, a conspiracy is going about the Rothschilds, you know, mm. this, this, fa- this, again, Jewish financiers, um, as, the, as though the Rothschilds family is, is this... Sinister- the, yeah, and the only bank. Exactly. Like, there's, there's only one bank. I wish there was HSBC or... <laughs> I have to 
bank with the Rothschilds. It's so irritating. <laughs> just go to my local Rothschilds yeah, yeah. on the high street. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just this case, isn't it? Of case, it, I mean, you get that's how this. It, one of the problems it, it seems is that lots of socialism didn't exist as a mass political force in this country. Uh, for a generation until 2015, suddenly reappeared. Lots of people got involved in politics. Some of them, a minority, were, were, were conspiracists. And, and because there wasn't socialist political education, some people didn't seem to understand the difference between being a conspiracist mm. and being, being a socialist. And, and that allowed certain anti-Semitic tropes to not be challenged yes. and maybe, maybe even spread. I don't know. Yeah, and I think, I think that's, that's where we need to go forward. I think a lot of people aren't malicious in their anti-Semitism. It's just ignorance, uh, and that's something that we should address. The other thing I'd like to say about the mural is, to me, it's incidental. It was the catalyst that brought this out. Yeah, but let's not fixate on that particular mural because there are so many other examples, um, and examples where you can't defend them, I feel. So it just happened to be the straw that broke the camel's back or whatever, you know. So there's been a sort of seamless bit of editing happened there. Annie from Judas, which is a radical left Jewish organisation, has just joined us. Whoop. Welcome, Annie. Thank you. This is quite in itself appropriate to Passover because one of the highlights of the Passover, of the Seder, and I don't know what happened at Judas, but is that... Um, we you, all know what happened at the yeah, Judas yeah, Seder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, they hear the truth. When you raise a beetroot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's what I was thinking when you open the door to see if the prophet Elijah is there, because if the prophet Elijah is there, that means the messianic age is upon us, um, and he's, he's never, ever there. Um, but instead of the prophet Elijah, we have our own messianic age, and that's Annie who has arrived. So oh, that was, yeah, nice. that's what was the thanks. <laughs> I mean, it's no, it's no Corbyn, but... No, no, no. <laughs> well, did you do that at Judas? Did you open the uh, door for Elijah, or was that...? I mean, we we asked Corbyn to read a bit about Elijah, mm -hmm. and he did. Yeah, no, we do that, and we do a cup for Miriam. Because the bit about Elijah in the traditional service is horrible. It's really about, let's just beat everyone up! It's really... <laughs> so I don't know great. what... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's in a way, because... And you can contextualise it as it was a time where the Jews were... were uh, you know, they were beaten up themselves a lot to to the, put it euphemistically. Um, but um, so it's it's very ferocious. So should we should we explain exactly why just why we're out? Because people might. Well, I think people will have probably yeah, known. You can cut all that bit out. No, no, no. <laughs> keep it. Keep it with gold. Do not cut it. Uh, but basically, uh, latest scandal involving Labour. We say scandal in quotes because it wasn't, but it was made a scandal by some pretty bad people. Uh, was Jeremy Corbyn attending a seder, which was with. Judas. So do you want to explain just quickly, because you're, you're an activist with Judas, who are Judas, who are now one of the most famous Jewish groups in, in the Western world? <laughs> yeah, and also what a Seder is. So Judas, other than now the representatives of global Jewry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, we have been for a while. It's just taken a little bit of time for people to realise. Um, but we are a radical collective based in London, but active in other places as well, of Jews who are all um, socialist, anarchist, communist, and non-Zionist. We call ourselves diasporists, which is, it's kind of, um, it's not, we don't want to be defined by kind of our opposition to Israel. It's about being defined by a lot more than that, about our wanting to be here and to fight for Jewish rights um, throughout the world and uh, not believing in the kind of need or desirability of a nation state. Um, and so we kind of, we draw on a lot of radical Jewish heritage in that. There's a very long history of 
Jewish radicalism. And yeah, we um, we have a Facebook page and a Twitter, which is now pretty famous. Mm-hmm. And we hold a lot of events. There's, I mean, I... I didn't organise this year's Seder, but people kind of at different times group up and organise stuff. And our Seder's Passover is like a really, really big festival for left-wing Jews. It's like Christmas for left-wing Jews. And well, kind of, that was a bad analogy, but it's like a really big deal. <laughs> Explain why. Explain why. Because um, it's a festival of liberation. It's about, it's like the easiest festival to make anti-capitalist. <laughs> like we, we make every festival anti-capitalist, but Passover's just like, it's all there. We were slaves, you know, it's a rebellion freedom from the toil of slave la- slave labour. Um, so there's just like loads in there. And I've, I've done four seders this year. It would have been five had it not <laughs> been for me being too tired on the Tuesday after the Corbyn seder. Because there, there'll be like queer seders. You just stayed up all night smashing capitalism. And raising the beaches. Yeah, it's not going to smash itself, is it? Yeah. No, exactly. It won't. It won't smash itself. So Judas organises Seder every year, and every year they've gotten bigger. This year was kind of like quite spectacular. We didn't expect a, a celebrity guest, but um, we had about a hundred people, and yeah, they're great. We throw a really good Seder, as I'm sure everybody now knows. <laughs> you mentioned Israel there, and I think we it'd be good to talk about Israel a bit because. Um, oh. One of the <laughs> no no sorry I'm not for it yeah because <laughs> one of the um, reasons why there's a lot of resistance to um, engaging with the problem of anti-Semitism on the left is that a lot of I think there are some people on the left who think that um, being against anti-Semitism means that you can't criticize Israel. So what do you all think of that? Well, the important thing is to separate out Israel and anti-Semitism, which. Um, on both sides of the argument, people tend to fail to do. For me, mm-hmm. if I'm saying, let's talk about anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, and people instantly um, talk about Israel-Palestine, that can be troublesome. Like, a really bleak moment for me in this whole anti-Semitism Labour Party thing was the interview with Ken Loach at the last uh, conference. Big fan of Ken Loach. You know, I, Daniel Blake, so brilliant. I just love, love his work. And there was, do you remember, there was a bit of a controversy about uh, Holocaust denier was mm-hmm. uh, the conference. And, and uh, I mean, I, I, I can't remember uh, the exact words, so I may be doing Ken Loach a disservice. But he was asked, what do you think about this Holocaust denier? And he slipped very quickly from the Holocaust denial to Palestine. He didn't, he didn't as far as I remember, condemn the Holocaust denial and say, obviously, this is ridiculous. He just uh, he said something about history, and then it was into uh, Israel Palestine. And for me, I just went, no, why would you, why would you not just? I mean, obviously, it's Holocaust denial. Why wouldn't you come down on that? And I think that that's when when I talk about um, uh, just uh, unthinking anti-Semitism and ignorance rather than malice. I think that's where the problem is. There's not this separate. People don't realise that there's a separation between anti-Semitism and Israel Palestine, between Jews uh, and Israel Palestine. He completely, and what's so infuriating to me is that it's not just people like you know on the on the far left, I suppose, or the left, I would not the far left, the left who who sometimes fall into that trap. It's people on on the right, or people on I guess the right of the Labour Party and beyond. I had someone telling me, a non-Jewish ex Labour MP, telling me on the radio that that was inciting violence against Jewish people, and I was like, sorry, at very best it might be inciting violence against Israelis, which it isn't, but it's certainly not inciting anything against Jewish people. So people who aren't Jewish who are trying to say that the left are full of anti-Semites have the same problem of confusing the two and conflating the two. And then our own community continues to do it as well. So this is a conversation that sort of started being uh, started to be had now, sorry, in public. 
But we've got people like the chief rabbi of the United Kingdom who wrote in the Telegraph a couple of years ago, basically an opinion piece that said to be a Zionist is to be Jewish and to be Jewish is to be a Zionist, that to support Israel and support Judaism is one of the same. And that's something our community perpetuates too, to the point where the, the chair of the board of deputies, Jonathan Arkish, um, who the board of deputies is a representative body for British juries, supposedly, um, went on Sky News, on national television, and said that Judas, a group of Jewish people, were anti-Semites. Um, the whole, and primarily, I think, and he didn't say it so explicitly, because of their stance on, at least in part, on, on Israel or on Zionism, or their non-stance, I suppose, as has been said before. So we have this bizarre situation where Everyone seems to get confused between Judaism and Zionism. And I think one of the key things that has come out of this week, which hopefully we can do moving forward, is to say that all of us need to take a step back and realise that Judaism is a religion. Zionism or Israel is a country and it's a politics, it's an ideology. And I've always felt, and we know this really in most other situations, that political ideologies, which are very real and very present, when mixed with irrational faith, which, because they are, they're beautiful faiths, but they're often irrational, logical, they're based on believing in things that can't be proven, they can't be right or wrong, is a really dangerous game. And I really think that that's something that will start to happen and, and needs to start to happen, which all of us need to do. People on the who can't see anti-Semitism where it is, people who say there's anti-Semitism where there isn't, and people who are really genuinely concerned about it, all need to realise, as far as I'm concerned, that that's the way we'll actually solve it. I mean, Judas have got this, I thought, brilliant... Um kind of i don't know how to explain it really judas's stuff are really good i really just recommend go to their website google it they have this kind of explainer about how to criticize israel a state the illegal occupation of palestine without being anti-semitic mm, well that was um produced from what from as far as i remember during um the last war on gaza when um that was actually when i first got involved with judas um was a group of us were forming Jewish blocks on the demos and we became really concerned with the anti-Semitism that we were seeing. I think this is something that's come up this week with this kind of all of these accusations of Judas being anti-Semitic, but not just from like Jonathan Arkush and members of the very Zionist Jewish leadership, but also from non-Jews who like have no, you know, it was immediately like a couple of Labour MPs were tweeting about how it was anti-Semitic for Corbyn to come and celebrate Passover with us. And it's like, it's part of the same root of the problem of anti-Semitism on the left, which is, for me, often it's, a, as well as some of the things that you've mentioned, there's a lack of understanding that Israel-Palestine is quite a complicated thing for Jewish people that, you know, I've been um, a Jewish-Palestine activist for a while, for longer than I've been in Judas, and I'm involved with Jews for Justice for Palestinians and other groups as well. And... It was much more difficult for me to come to that position than in the kind of non, than on the wider left. So, you know, I've, I've worked with mostly like non-Jewish Palestine groups, at least when I first got involved. And it was really, you know, I was brought up a liberal Zionist, really believing in this need for a state. And I think that Zionism as well, like what Mike said just now about Judaism as a religion and, and Israel as a state and the thing is, is Judaism isn't just a religion, like Jewishness is a thing. And if you are not a particularly religious Jew, and this is actually what Judas was founded, it was this kind of sense that led the, the two guys who founded Judas back in 2005 to set it up. Because so much of not the Jewish religion, but Jewishness and Jewish community and 
activities and summer camps and political discussions is so geared towards Israel now. And I think what's happened this week, which has been just really hilarious amongst other things, is all of these complicated conversations have exploded into the mainstream press of, you know, and read by people who aren't Jewish and this just massively complicated situation um, has people have been trying to pick it apart with uh, Judas jokes, which is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's what's interesting, right? It's gone into the mainstream and that, that's, again, those that are, are positive and wanting to, to learn more are starting to understand things like that. Even within Israel, there's the left and there's the right, and there's those that are demonstrating against what was going on in Gaza and what is going on in Gaza. Um, and, and nuance, the more nuance we can pour on, on this issue, the better. Some, sometimes when I post on my Facebook or Twitter about the need to challenge left-wing anti-Semitism, the, the response often is, this is just an attempt to shut down any criticism of Israel or... or uh, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, when you, it does seem like the equivalent of uh, you can't say anything anymore without being accused of racism, uh, which we always used to, you know, the PC brigade gone mad. Um, but in the sense of if a Muslim spoke of Islamophobia, then you wouldn't go, well, what about Saudi? You know, or what, what about what the Saudis are doing? You'd, obviously, if you're left wing, you wouldn't do that. You'd hope you wouldn't do that. Although, you know, you wouldn't discount that because prejudice of all descriptions does exist on the left. And, and the left exists, should exist to eliminate all forms of bigotry, exploitation and oppression. You know, it does internalise many of the, the injustices that define our society. Um, but it, it, it does strike me that, you know, just because there's this logical fallacy that just because and sometimes you do get uncritical supporters or supporters of the Israeli occupation who say any criticism of Israel is anti-Semitism. And therefore, the logical fallacy of these leftists is to say that therefore any accusation of anti-Semitism is therefore an attempt to shut down a critique of the Israeli state. Well, what I found odd as well, so I spent some time in Israel because um, my former partner was um, from there. And um, I found what you were saying, David, about there being like a left and right in Israel. Like When I went there, that's what I found is that actually it's not that uncommon to meet people who are against the occupation and who are against conscription and who don't like the government. And I felt that actually what was more overwhelming there was a sort of sense of despair that people didn't know what to do about it rather than that they were really enthusiastically supporting of it. So I think this this sort of idea that, um, you know, that you can't criticise Israel without being anti-Semitic. Well, Jews within Israel are critical of the Israeli government, in my experience, and they're critical of the occupation. You know, so this sort of, idea, yeah, I find this idea coming from yeah. the left that you can't do that. I think that's quite odd and very at odds with my experience of actually being in that country and talking to people there. Yeah, I mean, for me, criticise the Israeli government. This Israeli guy, this far-right brutal Israeli government and the occupation that they, um, that they encourage. Criticising Israeli government, even the Israeli state. But, when, but just, I would say, just be careful even to use the term Israel, because that's where you make yourself a little bit more vulnerable to those charges. I wouldn't, it's not anti-Semitism. I think there's anti-Semitism on the left, and then there's also just a kind of hostility to Jews expressing their feelings i don't i don't really know how to put it better than that but just just to be really really clear palestinians as far as i'm concerned can say what they like about israel and zionism both of which are um things well zionism is an ideology which they experience in a way that is extremely different to how i grew up experiencing that but i think non-palestinian non-jewish leftists one thing that would be super useful is if people stopped 
using the word Zionism unless they're actually having like a intellectual discussion about national ideology. Because so often when people say Zionism, they're talking about the Israeli state. I'm fine with them talking about the Israeli state or the current Israeli government. All of that is fine. I oppose in kind of principle, I don't really believe in a Jewish state. Um, and I massively oppose the government now. I probably would have felt really differently about the state in like 1945 when my ancestors were all dead or in displacement camps, you know? So uh, Zionism is a hugely heterogeneous ideology as like any national ideology is, you know, people can be, people can consider themselves kind of British patriots and they can be like Tommy Robinson in the far right or they can just be, you know, I, I am, there are those of us on the Jewish community who call ourselves anti and non-Zionists who are trying to pick apart Zionism and to argue that actually all nationalism, I don't think it's possible to have nationalism that isn't racist, but that is really complicated. Mm. And it it's, you know, there was, before the Holocaust, firstly, not only was Zionism not the kind of most popular ideology amongst Jews, but there was a left Zionism that was arguing not that it was desirable or that we need to go to Palestine and make a state there. They were saying there's so much anti-Semitism in Europe, we are going to end up there. So we need to kind of plan for that eventuality and build like during Jewish working class movements. And how wrong they were. And luckily now Europe is completely free of anti-Semitism. <laughs> right, exactly. And all of the Jews got to stay here. No one was forced to move to Palestine. Um, so I think that would be really useful as if people just, you know, I think it's a general the way that we do about any racism. I wouldn't wade into a debate about Islamophobia without listening to what Muslim people were saying. What I find frustrating is a lot of people on the left use the term Zionist, this catch-all term, uh, to describe, you know, in a way that could encompass people who think Benjamin Netanyahu, the current Prime Minister of Israel, is a pinko liberal, and people who are relatively peaceniks. Uh, and, and it's not, therefore, it, it doesn't have any proper definition, it, and it, it's flung around in a way that can be anti-Semitic, because it just seems to describe anybody who, is, who could be Jewish. There's no precision in the term. But I mean, it also it also describes lots of people here and throughout the Jewish diaspora who don't support the state of Israel as it is, but who just believe that there needs to be a Jewish state. That's what I meant. And who have an identity that is really firmly, I think also that um, particularly in this country, from what I've observed, a lot of people who still refer to themselves as Zionists, it's about um, validity. It's about everybody. This world is built in nation states. And if you say that you think Jews can't have one and everybody else can, you must be anti-Semitic. And this, you know, this harks back to centuries of Jews being told that we're not the same as everybody else and that we can't work in the same jobs and we can't live in the same places. So I think Israel has become this huge symbol of Jewish validity. And I mean, you know, I say to that, we don't we we shouldn't need a national state for that. Like all human beings should be able to have that wherever they live. That isn't the way, in my opinion, well, I think the current situation makes it really clear. I don't feel that Israel has helped anti-Semitism at all. But that is, you know, when you when you talk about Zionists, you're talking about all of those people as well as the people who support the Israeli state. Um, and there is a Zionism that is the far-right nationalism of the Israeli state. I mean, it's just like, isn't it the Zionist lobby? When I hear that term, I, it's always alarm bell time for me. 
because it seems again that there's the lack of precision on the term Zionist, and it just seems to uh, it's that it, the classic anti-Semitic trope of Jews with disproportionate sinister power behind the scenes that's been wielded. Especially if it comes in a tweet with like twenty hashtags, <laughs> then you're like, uh oh, oh dear. <laughs> But this is a nuanced conversation. And what I find really interesting is Annie was at the Judas Seder as a member of Judas, which this week was portrayed, sorry, as anti-Semites, radical, nonsense-speaking, villain, devils. I want to just quickly track how the conversation around anti-Semitism in the last two weeks has gone from one that I felt was making real progress around the left to one that's turned into kind of a hysteria and to some extent... Farce. A farce, completely. Um, so two weeks ago, whenever it was now, when this the mural story broke, it felt like we finally made some headway. We were allowed to talk about things that have been pushed to the sides. Jeremy Corbyn had been caught in this in this prob- in this in this act, sorry, and we needed to speak about it because it could never happen again. And people speaking from all different parts of the Jewish community, all different parts of the Labour Party, were having important conversations. Stories were being written by Jewish and non-Jewish writers, conversations happening around dinner tables that, that kind of had different perspectives on the Jewish community, on the state of Israel, on the differences there. And it felt really important. And it sort of for once felt like that conversation was sort of being led by Jewish people. Now, those Jewish people weren't always agreeing with each other, but that's totally normal, both in any community and certainly within the Jewish community where like, the biggest thing we can say about our community is that we argue indefinitely. Um, and that's that's the joy of it, that's the beauty of it. But then things slowly change, and I think that the Judas Seder was kind of this turning point. The conversation had, was kind of quietening down. We were still having these discussions, the Jewish Leadership Council, another Jewish representative body, well, not that representative because they are, I guess, a conglomerate of lots of Jewish organisations in the UK. The Board of Deputies is kind of elected, even though you can talk that it's not the most democratic organisation. But these two representative bodies were still speaking to Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party. Finally, conversations were happening between different parts of our community. And then the Seder happened. And then Jeremy Corbyn, just to be clear, who went to a Jewish event with his Jewish constituents to celebrate the Jewish festival of Passover, was accused by no less than the Daily Mail of being anti-Semitic <laughs> for attending. Um, and suddenly this thing switched. The whole thing turned from a sensible conversation to one of sheer hysteria. There were non-Jewish members of the Labour Party, MPs, who have long been critical of Jeremy Corbyn, doing the rounds on national television, calling him out, saying he was whipping up tension within the Jewish community, and he hated Jews, and he hated Israel, and he hated everyone. And we had leaders of the Jewish community, as we mentioned before, going on and kind of saying the same thing. And suddenly this really sensible conversation, this really important conversation, got flipped on its head. Now that's frustrating in the first instance because it puts us back in no sim- like in simple terms we were making progress we were talking about anti-semitism we were talking about the left we were getting better people were asking questions and they were having their questions answered it felt like there was this you know serious movement forward which had needed to happen for so long and then suddenly we gave all this space back to cranks within the labor party and cranks on the left because suddenly there was a manufactured anti-semitism story the Judas Seder was a flipping point. The front page of the mail, I can't remember what it said. How low can you go, Mr. Mr. Corbyn? Corbyn. Was, on the was, side, there was there a limbo Was there a limbo event? Oh my God. I, I cannot confirm or deny whether there was a limbo. <sighs> That's why we brought you here. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's suddenly this really serious conversation turned into nonsense. There was talks of anti-capitalist beetroots, which actually, I should just say at this point, I was just sent a link because I put out a tweet asking if anyone could bring me the beetroot from the Judas We're Seder. actually selling it on right. eBay. I found it on eBay now. I'm gonna... As well as Jeremy Corbyn's horseradish. We're going to pickle it. Mm. So. Oh, what's the bidding at, at the moment? 
Um, when I was on my way here, it was £19, but that was about an hour okay. ago, so I feel like... Well, we'll boost that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit. Nice bit of capitalism, I think. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. very appropriate. Let's yeah. make some money. We're going to make money for Babel's Blessing language classes, which teaches English for free to refugees and migrants. So I feel okay. put in my place. Yeah. <laughs> You've all been humbled there, haven't we? Let's give some money. It's a great Ormond Street. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, so just to finish that, so not, so not only we pushed backwards in the sense that that conversation was stifled because the male got involved, but also we gave this space to these cranks, these people who had long said that all the anti-Semitism within the Labour Party was a right-wing smear to topple the Labour leadership. And suddenly, we were that way to do that. There were certain people, um, I, I debated various Labour MPs on, on the right of the party, who I, who I blame for this in some ways, um, who allowed us to continue that. MPs like John Woodcock, who went on Twitter the night of the Judas Seder story in Guido Fawkes, and said that... Uh, I think it was that he said by by Jeremy going to this sage hello cat by Jeremy going to this sage of extreme Jews he was saying their Judaism was okay as if John Woodcock was now the chief rabbi of the United Kingdom like it was nonsense imagine and, imagine <laughs> such a world if only <laughs> um, but yeah so th so this conversation was stifled not only by that but but also by by these people then claiming anti-Semitism when, when it wasn't there and that's what's been so difficult and so infuriating but do you not think the the Judas thing has been good in in as much as well like your wonderful anti-semitism guide and all these things that have shown that there's um it's a very varied community um so again that it's 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 got a hose and hosed some nuance onto the debate so again people have learned oh there's the board of deputies but it's not only them who speak for jews there's also judas there's also left-wing jews so it's like it's made the picture more real and more complicated, which I like. Yeah, it's definitely, the, this smear campaign has backfired for, for multiple reasons. Firstly, because the male and right-wing Labour MPs and their supporters have no real understanding or compassion or care for the Jewish community, and they have no real knowledge of it either. So suddenly, once they've gone too far on their berserk journey, everything fell apart because they were exposed to what they really were. And also because Judas are much better trolls than the male, and so they couldn't make better jokes than them, and suddenly they sort of won that war. But I agree that there has been some good outcomes. I think that in the long term, hopefully, it's allowed us to have conversations. There's lots of Jewish people who I've seen online and have spoken to me in person and said they never knew Judas or groups like Judas existed, and now they feel they've got a community. But we shouldn't have had to do that on the terms of the Daily Mail, and we shouldn't have had to do that on the terms of John but Woodcock and his ilk. And, from, from, and I feel very strongly about that. So if I just, I think there's the John Woodcock on one side, and then on the other side, there's the was it Bristol West, where there were still 84 people who voted for a motion. That, Bristol West Labour Party, yeah. Yeah, Bristol West Labour Party, still 84 people who voted for a motion which basically condemned their MP from going on the demo, and and had there was one um, clause which seemed that said something along the lines of anti-Semitism will um, be cured by the so socialist utopia I'm really paraphrasing but it was like saying that the, it implied to me and maybe I got it wrong in my neurotic Jew way but I thought it seemed to be saying we don't have to really do anything about anti-semitism because once we get the socialist utopia it'll be fine and that worried me that, that so there's on both sides there's still crankage going on. Wait, which demo was that, by the way? Uh, it was, no, it was the Bristol West. She was going on the demo. I yeah. think it was a reference to the, I mean, I could have, I mean, Owen, maybe, and Ellie, maybe you know, but it was the, oh, it was the uh, enough is enough, the one on the, the, the Board of Deputies one. Yeah. Just the last lap, basically, just quickly. Um, I suppose what I'm interested in is the solution going forward in terms of, I suppose, firstly, the rise now of a Jewish left. Uh, but also the fact that 
there is a problem of anti-Semitism on a section of the left. There is, uh, self-evidently. I mean, I'm not Jewish and I see it on my Facebook and my Twitter feed. And uh, Yeah, know, there is. If you're listening to this, there is. There is, so please don't deny it. Yeah, there it's, is. It's not helpful. Uh, and, and socialist Jewish people like John Landsman, who ran Jeremy Corbyn's leadership campaign, Ria Wolfson, who's on the National Executive Committee of the Labour Party, who backed Jeremy Corbyn twice, uh, who's spoken out about this, uh, and, and people like Michael Segalov, of course. Um, go, returning to what I said before, so many people have come into politics because of the Corbyn phenomenon when socialism did not exist as a mass political force, where there isn't the institutional and ideological underpinning for such a movement, when so much of it has been about loyalty to Corbyn as an individual and his character, his personal characteristics, his commitment, his honesty, his decency, because of the absence his of a white... Jam. His jam. Uh, just his allotment. And, and and that's not obviously... Jeremy his Cor- hobby of taking pictures of manhole covers. I mean, that's weird. But go on. Overall, I mean, Jeremy Corbyn is, of course, is thoroughly decent. I mean, he just is. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my entire life. But it seems to me that, that a lot of this is because partly the Labour Party's been in permanent siege mode ever since he stood, basically, because of the constant right-wing attacks, the media attacks the parliamentary plots and all the rest of it. And people feel this then, you know, the personalised attacks on Corbyn. So it's this standby Jeremy phenomenon rather than standby socialism, which is what we're talking about and building a socialist Britain and a, and a socialist world. And, and, and that, you know, without that, he wouldn't still be leader of the Labour Party. So let's, you know, and, and the left would not still be in the ascendancy. But we do need to build that institutional infrastructure. We need to build political education um, and because Jeremy Corbyn will not be leader, obviously, of the Labour Party forever, um, there will be somebody else. And we need to embed socialist political education. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a new General Secretary, Jenny Formby. She said combating anti-Semitism is one of her priorities. So on that, that's what I'm interested in, uh, just to ask. The rise of a Jewish left, there is this space, perhaps, which exists, which I think now is coming into fruition. Um, and also uh, political education. How do we eradicate anti-Semitism in every single form, not just overt, but subtle uh, forms as well, from our movement, because we want to overthrow this social order. We don't want to replicate its ugliest features. We won't be able to build the world we want unless we do that. Well, I'm hoping that after this week, um, but not just after this week in general, I think what really needs to happen is that the Jewish left really need to be listened to. We are still a minority within the um, Jewish community, but we're growing for sure. And, you know, just to kind of my own personal experience, I have been called a anti-Semitic capo by right-wing Jews. <laughs> I've had God. Zionist... Explain what a capo is, just because a lot of people won't realise how shocking that is listening to this. The capo, this is a, a it's non-Zionist, anti-Zionist Jews get it a lot, and it is um, the On Jews... On a weekly basis, some of us. Yeah, it's um, the Jews who kind of worked for the Nazis in the concentration camps, um, who actually usually forced to do so, but I won't get into like Holocaust history now but um and I've been called a Zionist by which I'm not (laughs) by Tony Greenstein amongst others but you know just for defending Jews to have a right to say their opinions um even once for saying that an event that was about anti-semitism shouldn't be held on Shabbat I got called a Zionist for saying that I agreed that you know and it's and but Zionist in an anti-Semitic way, um, I've had for a very long time on the left felt like as soon as I say I'm Jewish, I have to say, but I'm not a Zionist or otherwise I'll get kind of interrogated. And that isn't OK. But we we have a kind of uphill struggle because this has to be two ways, like to tackle anti-Semitism. 
yes, it needs to be tackled on the left. It's existed on the left as long as the left has existed. And it's not just on the left. And it's great that I'm so pleased that a kind of emerging, exciting possibility for socialism is being scrutinised in this way for anti-Semitism. It's great, but everyone should be, you know, this scrutiny is being applied to one person and one party in particular when actually this is it's the wider left, it's also wider society. There's specific forms of anti-Semitism on the left, but we're also seeing a rise in the far right again and far right anti-Semitism, particularly, you know, most obviously in America. So it's worldwide and society-wide. And I think for the Jewish community, though, we also need to be having these conversations in our community. It's unacceptable that we have a president of the Board of Deputies who would call other Jews anti-Semitic for Mm. their position on Israel. Mm. Even if we maybe express that in some angry ways, that particular tweet was actually taken out of context. But nevertheless, like, you know, um, we are sometimes offensive and, you know, sometimes proud of it and sometimes (laughs) usually proud of it. Um, But it's also, you know, we have um, a Jewish leadership at the moment, which is hopefully changing, who are unbelievably as Islamophobic sometimes in what they say. And that is not helpful in terms of a conversation about anti-Semitism and Islamophobia needs to be had between the Jewish and Muslim communities, in my opinion, in this country. So I think for the Jewish left, we are battling on two sides within our left-wing movements, within our Jewish movements. And I think that if you're not Jewish, and also if you're not Palestinian, because, you know, one thing that has also been infuriating this week is we've been talking about this more than Gaza, mm. where people are just dying. Um, if you're not Jewish, if you're not Palestinian, have an opinion, but most of all, listen and listen to the Jewish left and take your guidance from us, please. I think that's that's where, for me, um, the optimism lies, is that two weeks ago, I'll be honest, I thought actually, there's no place for me a Jew in the Labour Party. And like the two pillars of my existence are sort of Yiddishkeit, Jewishness, and Labour. But I thought I can't live them both. Two weeks ago, I thought that. And the reason was, (laughs) no one's listening. If I was any other minority, people would listen. Uh, So I found that frustrating. But now I feel different. And what's made me feel different is clear statements from Corbyn, from McDonnell, and above all from Momentum. That made a big difference to me. Sometimes um, people I see um, suspended from the Labour Party but still going for swimming lessons with Momentum or whatever, and I think, what's going on there? And for me, although you know, I, I admire Momentum in a lot of ways, that for me, I needed that. And now I feel, okay, so if the leadership is listening and if the leadership remains with us, uh, and that remains to be seen. We need to. They need to do that, and they need to act as they've said they would. Then there is hope, and there's hope for Jews like me uh, who are who are lefty and Jewish. It's going to take some time to deal with um, the anti-Semitism that exists on the left and in the Labour Party, um, and I think to assume that would have been dealt within a day or a week is is no good. It's going to take a, a lot of work um, by the leadership, by the party more broadly, by by activists and campaigners at every level. What I think is important to note is this, though, and Annie and touched on it already. It's taken a post by Jeremy Corbyn on Facebook for some people to once again take an interest in anti-Semitism from five years ago, when it was only two months ago that the CST, the Community Security Trust, an organisation that looks out for a community organisation that looks out for Jewish people in Britain, released figures that said anti-Semitism in the United Kingdom was at its highest ever level in modern history. Now, what worries me and what upsets me and what I think 
is vitally important anyone who this week has taken a position on anti-Semitism to say it needs to be dealt with does, is that they realise that they should have been speaking up two months ago when those statements came out. And it's no good to just be speaking about anti-Semitism when it's politically convenient. Now, I'm pleased this week that people are talking about it because whatever their motivations might have been, and, I, and I'm afraid to say, like we've discussed already, this, those people who jumped on the Judas story kind of exposed themselves in some ways. But the vast majority, I think, of people who spoke about anti-Semitism in the last few weeks probably do genuinely care, and I'm glad. What I think is really important is we ask those people and demand that those people care also when it's less politically convenient, care also when there are neo-Nazis marching through the streets, whether that be in Dover, whether that be in Stanford Hill, when on both instances, people from Judas were there, as well as myself and many others, to fight against them when there was a, a marked non-presence of certain Labour MPs. And when anti-Semitism rears its ugly head, it's really important now for all those people who have spoken out to be there. That's how we'll solve it, that's how we'll take it on. The other thing I think is important to note, and touching what Owen said, is about how we engage with the Labour Party as individuals, how we engage with this project in the Labour Party, while supporting it and campaigning where we need to, but also realising that, well, at least for me, and I think for all of us, it can't be seen as the be-all and end-all of our politics. Um, it can't, it's not the reason we're here. It, Jeremy Corbyn, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a second, but Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell don't... And the Labour Party as a left project can't expect and don't expect every single person inside it to get behind them, to sit silently, to never be critical. And that's both of the leadership and also our fellow members. Like just because you're on the left, you're not above criticism. In fact, we should hold ourselves to the highest of standards, whether that be on anti-Semitism or other things, because that's why we're here. If we can't live and hold ourselves to that level, how are we going to implement a better society around us if we can't do it? Actually, weirdly, it was Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell who sort of taught me that lesson a few years ago. It was in April 2015, just before the 2015 general election, and no one was really that interested in, in Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonald. They were like irrelevant dinosaur backbenchers. I think I even called them that to their faces, <laughs> which they didn't really enjoy. And, and I went to Parliament and, and they were running this event called the People's Parliament. Um, it was trying to get people from different campaign groups and organisations into Westminster uh, to come and talk about politics and engage. And they were inviting in. I did one of them. Did you? Yeah, I remember that. Mm, me too. Do you know, I remember very clearly just before the election and I showed up and I'd, I'd sort of seen John and Jeremy at protests, which I was interested in, but I'd never had a proper chat with them. And after this event finished, I sat down with them in Westminster and now I cannot get time with them to do an interview as much as I try, but then I could. And we sat down and I was really confused because I was like, well... They were these kind of very outspoken leftist politicians and a party that for well years and years and years, as long as I could remember, had not been reflective of their politics. The leadership hadn't engaged with what they'd done. They'd gone, you know, Tony Blair had gone to war in Iraq, but Jeremy and John had stayed. The, you know, the party had done PFI and privatised things. Like, piece by piece, the Labour Party was turning away from what they wanted, but they stayed in it. But I asked them what I should be doing as a young campaigner, as a young activist, like, why should I join the Labour Party? And... And they didn't tell me to. And they said to be involved in organising, to be involved in campaigning, to, to be a critical friend of theirs and to do make sure that whatever I was doing and whatever we were doing outside of Parliament was making sure that whenever there was to be a left-wing government, when there was to be a left-wing Labour Party, we continued to hold them to account, be critical of what they were doing at all times. And I think for those people, and that's what I, that's what I did as an activist and campaigner, whether as a student or when I, when I finished being a student was involved in campaigning, I didn't think what's the best thing about parliamentary politics and what's the best manoeuvring, what's the best tribalism. I was like, how can we see a world around us that's better? And for those people who've come into politics through the Labour Party and through Jeremy Corbyn in particular, they maybe have no experience of organising outside of that, of campaigning, of activism, of being involved in other types of movements. And so it can feel like the be-all and end-all of progressive politics is Jeremy Corbyn and the be-all and end-all of progressive politics is this current formation of the Labour Party. 
It's important to remember that it's not. Progressive politics have existed before. And right now, the Labour Party is an exciting vehicle to try and push that forward. But the only way it will be that is if we continue to be critical of ourselves, to question ourselves, to learn from people around us, and not just take everything we're told for granted. And I think that's the key lesson moving forward, whether it's an anti-Semitism or other issues. And this has been hopefully a good learning curve for that. I think, I not that I want to um, end the... Are you going to bring it down? With the uh, no, no, with the voice of a goy. I feel like that's somewhat yeah. inappropriate. Nevertheless, you, avoid doing it anyway. Nevertheless, I want to make a plea to our listeners that if you agree with all of the stuff that you've heard today and you think that you want to oppose anti-Semitism on the left, please, please get involved in your local Labour Party because um, the voices on the left that deny anti-Semitism are very vocal and very loud. And, but they are a minority and they can be drowned out by other people. So whether you're Jewish or not, and you think there's a problem with anti-Semitism on the left and you want to oppose it, please make your voice heard. Either just get involved in the local Labour Party or um, online or whatever. Just don't be silent about this. But on that, when people go, oh, well, the Tories are worse. Yeah, of course they're worse. It's the Tories, isn't it? And, and all I'd say is that they are obviously the Tory party and the Tory press are a cesspit of hatred, of racism, of bigotry. And, you know, yes, on the Daily Telegraph a few weeks ago, plastered a classic anti-Semitic trope about George Soros, the Jewish businessman. You know, he's seen as this kind of devilish figure of the uh, the Jew pulling the, you know, the puppet master. Um, and, and in terms of the anti-Muslim hatred and all the rest of it. But all I would say is we exist to get rid of oppression, exploitation and bigotry and build a different society. Are we not going to do that if we internalise and replicate the ugliest features of that society? And look, that's key in my category. So that's all I say is you're going to hear these talking points a lot. I think we've gone through a lot of them. And it is possible and indeed necessary, it's not possible, to be an uncompromising socialist who wants socialism and to overturn this order and to extinguish anti-Semitism. And also to get the leadership. They are doing stuff and we've got to applaud them and and and... You know, the action they're going to take, the Chakrabarti report a few years ago, which was about clamping down on anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. And that's the sort of thing, you know, we need to do. And if there is anyone listening from the Jewish conspiracy, activate Operation Takeover. Repeat, (laughs) activate Operation Takeover. Don't say you weren't warned. So, um, thank you to our brilliant guests. And thank you, you, for, for listening. Lots of love, everyone. Yeah, we'll Good see you Shabbos. next time. Good oh, Shabbos. 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 Oh, can you put your pants back on now, please? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we will see. We will. We will speak to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.